Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. No I walk out, no man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Oh, enjoy your lunch, 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 lunch. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and the man who's doped up to the eyeballs. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Do you remember... Um, I, so I had my uh, I had two vaccinations yesterday, and I'm feeling a little under the weather, but do you remember after my first one, we did a Discord Q&A, and I joined that, and I was like, uh, hey, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do not, remember that. Not as bad as that. <laughs> I'm feeling a little rough. I've got a sore arm, but uh, mm. you know, I'll I'll be all right. I'll try and get through a short podcast. <laughs> Two for the price of one. And uh, and Bardi is away on holiday, so it is just the two of us this week. It does feel a bit weird, actually. I think we've done the pod just the two of us for a long time, actually. Um, and there's not a great deal to talk about, if I'm honest. So I feel like this could be a fairly brief pod. Um, what I'd like to start off with, though, is a is a really important message to get out there. So our friend Mac, who many of you will know from Twitter as Tweet Good Mac, he posted a very moving thread about his son Rowan Patrick Mac, who sadly was born asleep earlier this year. And Mac wanted us to pass on some information for expectant parents and anyone else who might be interested. So uh, there's a charity called Antenatal Results and Choices, which supports parents who receive scan results revealing fetal anomalies. Examples of this include congenital heart issues, cleft palate and spina bifida. This affects around 20,000 scans a year out of around 700,000 pregnancies. So it's a really quite significant number. They provide a helpline and email support, which helps 6,000 people a year. They are a relatively small charity, though, and £5,500 covers their parent helpline for a month, so a small amount can make a huge difference to them. And they also support a podcast called Time to Talk TFMR, which stands for Termination for Medical Reasons. Um, Max says that he hasn't actually been able to bring himself to listen to that at this point, but um, hopefully he'll get there in the future. Uh, He's also given us the link to a particularly helpful episode... um, 
which he thinks some of our listeners might find helpful. I know this is probably quite a triggering, difficult subject for a number of people. Um, we are going to put that link in the show notes and also a link to the fundraising which Mac is doing. Um, love and best wishes to Mac. He's a really good guy. I've known him on Twitter for, gosh, must be nearly 15 years now and never had anything but great interactions with him. I really, really um, like Mac and I feel so bad for him. This has happened and his partner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, thank you so much to Mac for being brave enough to put this out there. It's something people struggle to talk about. And, uh, yeah, I've got so much admiration for, for him for doing that. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, last week we teased that we would talk about Johan Lang. Uh, who is the new technical director. Uh, did you manage to squeeze or obtain any information about our new guy? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I pretty much heard exactly what I wanted to hear. Which, uh, that is um, encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I, firstly, just as a Spurs fan, um, I've heard good things. But personally, um, I, I, I've, I've been quite miffed and uh, critical of the hype that Aston Villa have received in the last couple of years and uh, uh, managing to, from what I've heard, balance <laughs> balance the findings there in that um, his processes look really good, his work looks really good, but he was working under a CEO during his time there who made some decisions over his head that uh, interfered, such as the appointment of Stephen Gerrard, along with a few uh, other transfers and, and shutting other things down. So yeah, um, super data orientated guy. Um, his right hand man at Villa. Give me one second. Uh, Frederick Le, um, who has he now been linked? I think he's now been linked um, to to follow him to Spurs. Oh, this is according to Tipsbladet. So I don't know who is that. A Danish um, report, maybe. Um, that he was his right hand man in terms of working with data, and so he he might come to Spurs as well. That'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, a, a smart guy by all accounts. Um, working in slightly difficult circumstances. I think that um, if you look at his time at is it Copenhagen, um, where he had a more senior role, um, you say, "Wow, all of the work there is really good." Brought in a bunch of young talents, massively improved the club. Um, players that have since been sold on for a bunch more money, although one of them to Villa who didn't do well, to be fair, but uh, still, um, good, really good work there um, at Copenhagen. Um, there, there's um, a case to be made, which is very similar to the summer that Spurs have just had, um, in that on an individual basis, there's been fantastic talent ID, but what might arguably have been lacking at Villa is um, um, sort of problem ID. Yeah, it was long, longer term squad building. And so um, arguably Villa haven't addressed their greatest needs or have addressed their greatest needs, haven't got around to getting to addressing their secondary needs in a given window or two windows. Again, something that I think is relevant to Spurs with regards to wingers. Um, but how much of that is on Langer and how much of that is on uh, Perslow, how much is that on, on Villa's financial restrictions, how much is that on just looking at a, a small sample of windows? Um, how much is that on previous coaches interfering, um, which is also a significant factor, by the way, um, is, is hard to say. So um, that that might be something to keep an eye on over the next few windows, um, but not something I can say this is definitely a weakness of longer. But yeah, I guess the, the, the thing is... Um, 
reflecting back on the window we just had, how much of that have we upset? How much have we changed that? How different uh, is is longer going to be from that? Um, because I know that we were we were bringing in the help of a, a third party at Spurs um, to sort of ask questions of them. Are we no longer going to do that, or are they going to work in tandem with our new analytics orientated um, sort of recruitment director? Um, was that an interim measure, perhaps? Yeah, or was that just an interim measure? And if it was just an interim measure, should it <laughs> just have been an yeah. interim measure? Because, um, I mean, like Van der Ven, wow, <laughs> wow, man! Like what they it, again? We're talking about a small sample here, but as far as I can tell, they've knocked it out of the park, right? And um, Vicario as well. And Vicario, and then like, um, what role did Gabianini have in that process? Why is he out now? Why are we bringing someone else to fill that role if we weren't just melting that role down to bring in longer? Um, mm. So a little bit of confusion about, and it, it's been like, uh, it goes back to sort of pre-Paratici, but it's like a constant changing round of the hierarchies, the existence and non-existence of roles, who has what responsibility for what, constantly moving every couple of months. Um, mm -hmm. despite that, uh, volume of action, again, I think that our recruitment has, has increased, in, uh, improved magnitudes. Um, but who's in charge of what is a bit confusing. And if you say that that was a situation, um, for longer at Villa, is he being put in another situation here where there's this lengthy hierarchy? There's several people above him or two people above him, at least in Munn and Levy. And then there's several people below him and who, who has what role? And is he going to bring in, uh, left? Um, it, it, if there's a criticism to be made of his time at Villa is that he, he didn't put his foot down. He didn't assert himself. Um, he, he didn't push hard enough. He didn't threaten to resign, etc. Is, is that going to be relevant to working under Levy? I suspect less so now that Munn's involved. Is that the case? Um, but I guess, yeah, some, some minor concerns there. And, uh, also be interesting to see what happens with Villanet. They've, they've, they've brought in Monchi under Emery's request, who um, is a whole series of podcasts himself <laughs> for a discussion point, who, just for, just for, super briefly, uh, Monchi's success at, um, or oh, get it right, Sevilla? I think it is Sevilla. Monchi's success at Sevilla is, is interesting, um, yeah, because he he created an enormously vast scouting network Mm -hmm. um, and used, you know, written reports and eye tests and then used a collaboration method where individual scouts provided their best 11s of a given league, which in my opinion is a slightly iffy way of doing things because you could have two incredible left backs and no good right backs in the given league. And then he would use that as a data point and, and then combined 11s would feed into other combined 11s until he had his... Um, you know, source of a hundred players to be keeping an eye on at any one time. So essentially what he was doing there is he was doing mass scale data analytical stuff without the data. <laughs> he was using an opinion as a, as a data point. Um, and he sort of, um, proceeds modern analytics with a sort of, um, accidentally parallel uh, methods to analytics and then he moved to was it Roma and didn't do so well there and moved back and so now he's going um now he's going to Villa um yeah that'd be interesting that'd be interesting yeah I mean I I, I had a look at uh Johan Lang's career 
and his career trajectory. He's, he's, so he's 43, so he's quite young in, mm-hmm. in football terms, I would say, certainly for the seniority he now has. Yep. And he's only actually been uh, in a sort of sporting director type role for under under a decade. Well, the thing with that, just just to cut in there, is that um, before he was in directorial roles, he was in a coaching role. Yes, indeed. But my understanding is that his his role as a coach, both as an assistant and possibly also as a head coach, was um, in a way that was a bit more like a sporting director. So he was an assistant right. coach who was who didn't do any on training pitch coaching. He was uh, he was okay. Uh, okay. Um, a secretarial assistant to the head coach in that role. Does that make sense? So that is interesting, particularly because he started off as a sort of almost like a director of youth football mm-hmm. like overseeing development of players and so i find the um coach to to um, direct recruitment transition interesting primarily because something i speak to chris Summersell about quite a lot on our patreon pod straight off the training ground because chris is both a coach and an analyst who works in professional football and that is quite unusual to be both or to have the capability of doing both and and when it's not unusual, I think, is when it's coming from the youth side. So going from being a youth coach to overseeing the development of youth players, I think that is a not a path well trodden, but a, a, it's not as analogous. I think it's... Um, I feel like there's there's uh, there have been some examples of people who've gone from being youth coaches to overseeing uh, youth. In fact, we've got an example at Spurs in in Tim Sherwood, um, and he works out great, didn't he? So that's that's a yeah. good sign. <laughs> well, I mean, I th- in some ways we've got him to think for Harry, thank for Harry Kane. So doesn't he like um, to remind us of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I, I, yeah. So I found that interesting in itself, looking at his his career path and how he got to this point. Um, if you look at what he did at Villa, uh, look at what he did in terms of their transfers. I think there were some hits and some misses, but that's true of every technical director in the history. There's always going to be some misses, and I think when you look at the misses, they're not terrible. Like you can see the logic behind the misses. So I'm talking about. Um, Leon Bailey, who's been a failure so far, but it wasn't an outrageously bad signing. You could see what they were thinking with Leon Bailey. Uh, so Bailey specifically, um, for me, is tremendous, tremendous talent um, who shortly after arriving at Villa had major injury issues and he's lost his right. explosivity. Um, and uh, explosivity was a significant part of his game. So I think that that is... That was a really good transfer, really good process, mm-hmm. really good thinking, and just been really unlucky with um with uh with injury. And then similarly for Buendia, another Yeah, I was gonna say absolutely I mean I, I yeah. really liked Buendia at Norwich. I thought he was a very attractive player and someone that I would have been very happy to see Spurs linked with, and he's just been crippled by these two terrible injuries since joining Villa. I think that he's also maybe not getting on too well with, with Emery. And that's kind of always a risk with Emery. He has a tendency of pushing players out. Um, yeah, so so again, that's always a risk. So between those two players, that's a lot of money spent on yeah. on a lot of what you know as an, as a final outcome, at least so far, seemed pretty negative. But looking at the process involved there, I'm I'm really happy with that work. Yeah, yeah, and and like you say, he's been at Villa since 2020, I think. 
And when you look overall at the pattern of transfers and the upward trajectory that Villa have been on, you know, it's hard to argue that he hasn't done a really good job, particularly when you look at their starting eleven now. Um, and I've, I've watched a bit of Villa this year. Actually, I was hanging out with the Villa fan, um, shout out Ben at the weekend, who's been very impressed by what he's seen this season so far. You know, the, the, the Gerard was a, a bit of an anomaly, really. And since they've had Emery in charge, things are going in the right direction. Um, I really like their starting eleven. I really like Douglas Louise. I think he's he's, he's brilliant. He, jo- he he joined just before uh, yeah. Johan Lang, but he's he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, and I think their recruitment in the summer was good. I think it was I think it was good to great actually. Um, so I think there's a lot of promise in in Johan Lang. But I've, I do have some question marks like you in terms of the structure. Whether we stop tinkering now. You know, what happens with, with Gabonini's replacement? He was obviously Paratici's guy. They, they were, I think that was it. they'd worked together before. And I imagine when Paratici's, um, contract ended, but I imagine that was when Gabonini moved on. But, but has it? <laughs> but, well, I'm, I meant his, his second contract. So obviously he left the club because he had to leave the club and then he's been essentially consulting for Spurs. Do you think he's like invoicing per phone call right now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. That'll be a very pricey invoice if so. Uh, so speaking of Paratici, um, your sidekick and best friend, Charlie Eccleshare, uh, wrote a really interesting article. I, I, that, was, that was a joke, by the way, uh, because Nathan wow. appeared on a podcast with Charlie and and uh, they got along swimmingly. And, and Charlie was great on that podcast, by the way. I really like Charlie Eccleshare. I think he does great work. And I, I really, really enjoy his tweets also. Uh, but Charlie wrote this article, Is it time to reevaluate Fabio Paratici's time at Tottenham? And I think he makes a really strong case for Paratici having done a lot of good work, uh, you have to squint a little because obviously there's the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo, which was catastrophic. But if you look at his transfers, the transfers in under Paratici, Brian Hill, you know, jury's out so far, but I, I have hopes for what Ange can do with Brian Hill. Jed Spence, again, jury's out. He's out on loan this year. He's injured at the moment, but there's talent there. Christian Romero, Pap Sarr, Emerson Royale, Rodrigo Bentancourt, Eve Basuma, Richarlison, Fraser Forster, Destiny Udoggi, Ivan Perisic, okay. And then Kulisevsky and Poro on loan. And I look at that list and I think, yeah, that's that's pretty good going. There's a lot of hits there. He's he's pretty much filled the majority of our, our starting eleven with solid better than solid players. So even the ones that, you know, I, I think are perhaps slightly lesser, Emerson Real, Fraser Forster, and then you'd say perhaps Spence and, and Brian Hill. Like there's, you can see the rationale for the, the signings at the time. And um, yeah, I do I do think Paratici, when you take the broad brushstrokes, I think Paratici did some good work. Uh, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think this is... I think we've been. I think we've talked about this before, and I, I think I think that we spoke fairly positively at the time about the about the, the players, right? Um, but as as good as basically all of these players are, all of that is undermined when he's selecting the coaches, and it's not just Nuno. It's it's mm. it's. Um, um, I think that probably he gets attributed for 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 Conte's um, appointment incorrectly because that was Levy. Yeah, Charlie says as much in his article that that is a Daniel Levy. Uh appointment but he he wanted like he wanted Luis Enrique for us 
you know uh he wanted um the the guy at porto he he it was a, it was going to be a continuation his 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 coaching his coach's scouting is 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 genuinely abysmal based on yeah. based on the coaches we were linked to and that um that makes me question the process by which he arrives at these players right because yeah same um is he using his own eye um and therefore why is he so good at recognizing talented attacking um athletic technical young players but can't tell the difference between um good and bad football um and also why does he have such a fetish for coaches who aren't going to pick and play the players that he's purchased for them um quite quite which isn't the case for nuno i don't think by the way just as a little side note um therefore is the quality of his scouting purely based on having a good feel for which agents are bullshitting him and which agents aren't bullshitting him and and that doesn't yeah. transfer that well to coaches. Well, well, also not just agents, but also the numbers guys. Like, sure. I, I think so. When, when I think back at, about what Parachi is has been like, what we, the little we've seen of him and got to know about him, I just get the feel that he's someone who's been in the game a while. He's got a lot of contacts. He likes to be the guy. He likes to have his finger in many pies. He's a bit of a sort of wheeler dealer. Bit of a jack for lad, fancies himself a bit, got a high opinion of himself, and he's probably got a few people, a few trusted people that work for him and work for him a lot that really do know their shit. And so when they say, Fabio, go and get this guy, he's going to be a star, he'll get the deal done. And he's got enough charisma in the boardroom with Daniel Levy to, to get Levy to, to part with X millions of pounds because he, he's persuasive. Um, and I think personally, that's probably what's happened here. I think it's probably that he's got some good people, Gabonini being one of them that work with slash for him who know their shit, mm. who, who have, have good processes. And, and so you come on to whether that's enough and it, it, it has been. Um, there's other th- benefits of Paratici as well, which are he did make changes to our academy structure around the, the wages that we pay to youth players. He modernised. He he looked at what we were doing compared to similar-sized clubs, similar-sized academies, and he thought, no, this isn't quite right. We're going to end up losing players. We already are losing players. We need to stop hemorrhaging our best youth players, particularly when we've got some really good talents coming through. He didn't want to risk losing them. How how many years do we have to wait before we can definitively say this worked or this didn't work? I think probably two. Okay, of which we've already because served I, six months. Yeah, I think so, because we've got players that are that good that may have gone elsewhere. You know, Mikey Moore is a really obvious name that everyone's aware of now. He's He looks brilliant, and he could have gone to any club in the country or in Europe, frankly, and he stayed at Spurs. And I think he stayed at Spurs because of what Paratici did to our wage structure. But it's not just more, you know... Dorrington and Donnelly in the next year? Maybe. Maybe Do- maybe Donnelly and Dorrington would have gone elsewhere. Maybe, I don't know. We Basically, we've got some stars. We've got some gems. Olesese and Hall in the under-18 midfield are both outstanding talents. They might have gone elsewhere if it weren't for Paratici. And I, I do think that is, although it's like a, a relatively simplistic change to make, you know, benchmarking against other clubs. Wow. Who would have thought that we'd have looked what other clubs were doing and thought, let's do what they're doing. 
it's simplistic, but it's effective and it's it's changed things. It's genuinely changed what we were doing. Also, we have to credit him with with changing our recruitment structure. We have to credit him with probably bringing in this external agency, which you referred to earlier and which you've referred to previously. That's more than likely Paratici doing that stuff. Um, he has, I think, overseen some modernization at Spurs. He's also uh, a criminal, probably, um, and someone we don't want associated with the club. And I feel like quite disgusted that Spurs have continued to pay him even after what we know has come out. Um, it's just it's how Premier League football works, unfortunately. But it's it's not nice when it's your club and it's it's close to home. Um, but yeah, I do th- I do think you know when you look back at the broad brushstrokes, people will look back on Paratici's time at Spurs and think. You know, the, the methods may not have been perfect, but he got the job done. He got the job done fairly well. And we had to suffer two dreadful years for what we're seeing now. And I hope that Lang will make things even better. So so Bardi's not here this week, as you know, but uh, he still wanted to tell you about our partner. I gave AG one a try because maintaining a healthy balance is important. I'm in Spain. Hola, Wendy. Hola, Nathan. I'm enjoying their wonderful cuisine, from pulpo to cheese and jamón serrano. But I'm also staying active, and I'm doing this with a sense of freedom. A sense of freedom that James Madison enjoys while playing football for Big Ange. And do you know why? That's because I've got my backup. I've packed my health besuma in AG1. No matter how busy, how much fish and cheese comes my way, I've got my press breaker, my outball on hand. I stash my sachets into my suitcase along with my vitamin D to help me keep a nice balance between enjoying myself and having a brilliant culinary holiday, but also keeping my vitamins and minerals topped up. Everywhere you go, always take AG1 with you. Everywhere you go, always take AG1. Ciao, ciao. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habit. And AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89 percent off usps and ups make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com use code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program. Gion Ojla says, can Brian Hill be repositioned as an understudy to Madison in a more forward thinking midfielder in our system? 
or is he just a wide forward? Now, I liked this question because when we signed Brian Hill, and actually in the weeks after that, we thought about how he might fit into Antonio Conte's system, and and we regularly wondered whether he might play essentially as an attacking midfielder centrally. Um, and we don't have, other than Lo Celso, who's barely played this season, a natural understudy to James Madison. Now, do you think Brian Hill could fill in for Madison, or do you think that Ange will use him as a wide midfielder, if uh, uh, if at all? You know, we don't know that he's going to even use Brian at this stage. Um, firstly, directly to the question, like yes, yeah, I do, I, and I think that um, I think that Nuno played him for a couple of games in that role as the most advanced midfielder in a, in, a, in a three, and I quite liked that for him in that that you know sixty total minutes of Europa League or whatever it was. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting use of, of Brian Hill, and he and he had these sort of. But the difficulty moving a, a winger inside is is their sort of positional awareness of of where the pressure is coming from, and and I was impressed with that. But also, Spurs really need a dribbly winger, mm. um, and I've been I've com- I finished off my list of, of dribbly wingers for the January market, and um, looking at the data profiles of the players that I've picked, and I went back and looked at Hill's um, data from the season before we before we uh, purchased his contract, and I think he probably would just about make the list too. So I oh think wow okay that I think that he could well be a good option, a really good option for us. I, I mean, I'd still say, hey, you know, obviously, hopefully he'll get some game time in the next few weeks and um, maybe that changes things, but I suspect that we want to to invest in our, in our wingers. But um, I'm feeling pretty good, firstly, about the winger market because I think there's several really good options right now, but also about Brian Hill's potential upside. Um, obviously, he's not played a ton of football and he's certainly not played any good football um, for several years now and that that's harmful at, at such important developmental years um but yeah i am i'm definitely more interested in his higher upside to play on the left wing you like him for the left that was going to be my next question well i i think we want a winger who can play both sides and i think brian hill can play both sides um yeah but i think we just because kulisowski good um we need a left sider more urgently than a right sider but we need a we need a we want them both mm. yeah i mean i i really like brian hill i think there's a lot to like about him i really like his tenacity i like his sort of high octane pressing he's not the strongest obviously so the pressing isn't always effective but it it does it does create mistakes and errors from the opposition um he's a good ball carrier he's also very good with his one and two touch passing which is obviously a massive facet of how we play under Postacoglu. lots of triangles lots of one and two touch stuff he's got really good vision he's got great touch awareness gets the ball out of his feet quickly can change the angle of attack yeah I'm really keen to see how he looks in this side. So just to contextualise the comments in a minute about um, wingers for for the upcoming two windows. So I took the um, I took the four big names, the obvious ones um, that I recommended at the end of the summer. So uh, Karen Mitama, whose contract is running down. Nico Williams, whose contract may or may not be running down. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, Aramman Loriente of Sassoulou, uh, Ray and Cherky of Lyon, who's a slight profile misfit but a very, very good player. 
And then I've added on um, three super, super exciting up-and-coming young players uh, who've all got a bit of hype around them, quite a bit of hype around them now. So Antonio Nusa, uh, Savio, and Brian Zaragoza. Um, then I added on Jota, who previously played under Bostokoglu at Celtic and maybe on a free, but he's sort of a um, you know break glass in case of emergency kind of signing right. because I'm not sure how it, it's hard when you when you're looking at purchasing a player from from the SBL how well that goes up a level and considering that we've already um, got you know Solomon on our books we don't want to have another squad level player there we need someone who's going to have a real impact yeah. and then I started to look at like the the level around that in terms of young players and um Oh, am I allowed to say? Chris Somersell recommended I check out Ibrahim Osman um, at Nodgerland, and I was impressed by him. And then I started to say, how much better are these levels of players compared to Brian Hill? And I started to say, Brian Hill's in, definitely in and around that level, and he's already in the squad. So I didn't go any further down than that. Um, I also began um, working on my long list for our third choice centre-back, and I... Um, recorded my screen. I broadcast it live on Discord. People dropped in and out because it was 45 minutes of me clicking around a spreadsheet. But I then sped it up 20 times and made a short 2 minutes 20 um, Twitter video, which I posted. Um, so go and check that out. I tweeted it uh, yesterday of, of me you know, looking up a bunch of data for a bunch of different players and going, mm, maybe or maybe not, and, and adding them to the list. Nice. Nice. Good to see the process. Um, I feel like... Unless we can't get our absolute favourite winger, then we should just go without until the summer. Um, I say that because we don't know how Brian Hill is going to be. We don't know whether Ange would potentially use Yago Santiago. We've also not long signed Brennan Johnson. He's only played one game so far. Richarlison looks quite good on the left. There's kind of a lot up in the air. And I think until he's figured out what he's got and the way he wants to use those players, then unless the opportunity to sign Mitoma or Nico Williams, another or Williams, yeah, sure, another a similar level player becomes an option, a genuine option, then I, I don't know. I feel like we've got let's enough not, young <laughs> players. Right? Yeah, let's not overstock ourselves with players who might be at a similar level and who we then might need to get rid of in a couple of years. Uh, there's enough to carry us through. That that's just that's where I am with that, and I think there might be some more pressing priorities as well. Um, third choice centre back. Third choice centre back. And depending on how well Hoybier plays against Fulham, a number six. I think a number six, regardless, because I think Hoybier wants to leave. Yeah, he might want to leave, but I wonder if he does play well against Fulham, we should not let him. <laughs> and, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's done enough to warrant us keeping him regardless i think he's a really handy player to come on and close down games you know we're we're a team in our infancy and a bit of experience at the end of a match is extremely helpful to see us through i'm imagining bardi's facial expression as we say this <laughs> yeah yeah i mean bardi will just be delighted if we sell hoybier i think hoybier um deserves to be playing as a first choice central midfielder for a, a top team mm -hmm. somewhere and i think we can also get a good fee for him and we should probably do that before his contract starts running down even more so i do think a number six is a more pressing priority but yes third choice center back definitely uh 
you know, at the moment, if if someone gets injured, we're looking at Ben Davis or Eric Dyer filling at the centre back. It's, it's less than ideal. It's not where we want to be. Let's get another really good centre back in who can cover and also take some minutes if needs be. I think that would be more helpful. So you mentioned a little video you put together already, but I also really enjoyed your pressing video. Um, I find these international breaks very frustrating at the moment because I'm loving watching Spurs and I don't (laughs) want to go without them for a week. But the pressing video dropped just in the nick of time for me to have some Spurs, some angible content this weekend. And I, I really enjoyed it. And it was very interesting to see how Postacoglu has adapted things already this season. Thank you. I uh, yeah. Well, and the interesting uh, question is uh, is how much of that credit uh, does go to Postacoglu? Because mm. um, frankly, he's getting enough. <laughs> he's, he's getting. He, yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not lacking for credit right now. And um, I, I, I talk about it in the video as to um, why why it not might it might not belong to him. Um, so we think Matt Wells is is the guy that deserves the credit, maybe, potentially. possibly, possibly. And I think that um, if you look at a few things we did at the very end of last season, whilst Mason was head coach, there are some there are some clues. I I was mm. I thought about going back and doing that, but I, uh, it felt a bit sort of um, um, conspiratory, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe not even that interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't um, I don't tend to go that in depth with with my with my pressing stuff um and i i sort of quite enjoyed changing up and and looking in depth at this and um yeah i hope people found it interesting nice i mean obviously you're just trying to compete with john mckenzie is the is the truth there no i don't i don't stand a chance when it comes to <laughs> uh oop against john is is john now um is it fair to say that he has become one of the foremost pressing analysts in the country? No, I think that he's the foremost pressing analyst in the public realm in in mm. uh, worldwide. Yeah, he should be hired by clubs to to run their pressing analysis. Really, I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. No comment. <laughs> Uh, James Lingfield says, how high should Ollie Watkins be on our list of eventual Son replacements? He'd probably be a bit on the expensive side for his age, but I feel like he perfectly fits the physical profile we need. Could physically play on the left and now has unlocked his finishing in his game and he's homegrown too. Um, Obviously, we were just talking about Villa's recruitments. He did come in under under Lang. Um, What do you think? Ollie Watkins is a Son replacement. Uh, I really like Ollie Watkins. I think he's very, very good. Um, I think that Richarlison fits the physical profile. Richarlison can play up top. Richarlison can play on the left. Um, and any minute now, he'll for sure definitely find his finishing or whatever the wording was on the question. Um, um, he's also younger than Watkins. Oh, interesting. I think the opportunity for Watkins has passed. I think that um, yeah. we both really wanted him while he was at Brentford. We came on the podcast, spoke about him. Um, and, and that was our chance. And um, now he cost a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And when you're looking at those kinds of sums, there are there are better options. I think Watkins is really good. Um, and uh, I appreciate that I'm um, quadrupling down on Richarlison at the the soonest opportunity. But um, <laughs> I don't think that we need a forward desperate 
accurately. Um, and and when you talk about long term replacements because of Son's age, um, that's where Valise has been purchased recently. And then we've also don't forget got Parrot and Scarlet out on loan, not having a great time either of them just yet. But um, you know, I know a certain other Spurs academy forward who didn't have great loans, and it turned out all right in the end. Absolutely. And um, did did you see the story about Valise that uh, came out this weekend? That he he he. I guess the the. I guess what they're trying to say is he's got some game smarts. So there's this story that there's a crucial game he's playing for his club, and an opposition player is running through on goal, about to take the shot, and Valise whistles as if the referee has oh. just whistled to stop the game. That's a foul. And uh, and 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 the player doesn't shoot, and <laughs> turns to like look at the referee and, and ask what the hell's going on. And it's just Alejo Valiz having a laugh and, and yeah, participating in the dark arc. That's a red card. I, um, and I know this because I used to play football down the park with a friend of mine who, um, who was a former academy level footballer. And I, I did that. I called leave when he was on, when he was bibs and I was non bibs. I called leave on him as a joke. And then, Afterwards, he was very angry at me and, and informs me that that was a foul, <laughs> a red card worthy foul doing that, calling calling leave on an opponent's ball. I mean, it deserves to be. <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? Unsporting. Um, I, I really liked Feliz's little cameo against Luton. I, th- I thought he looked like he had something different. I mean, it, he doesn't fit the profile for a first choice Postacoglu centre forward. But they always had that option off the bench, didn't they? He, he tends to, I, I, and that's true. But also, I don't think um, they've ever really worked out that well, more so in Japan um, than at Celtic, um, and I guess so far at Spurs. Mm. Um, I think that, so the <laughs> the thing is, a lot of teams, and, and increasingly we will see this, defend against Postacoglu by sitting in their own box. Mm-hmm. And what that means is then there's an opportunity to play a big man up top and cross the ball into him. But the reason that teams drop off into their own box is because he typically plays with a forward who can run in behind. So um, that for me is perhaps the main reason that I really like Richardson because he offers both. Oh my mm-hmm. God, I've brought him up again. <laughs> But I think that... Um, God, he's rubbing his hands together. He can't wait to get back on this so he can take you apart <laughs> with his comments. It's great because uh, Richardson hasn't failed to convert a high <laughs> XG value shot this weekend. So I get a free run. Um, oh, I just touched my injection site and it hurt. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, so the reason they drop off is because is because of the threat of the centre forward who can run in behind. And when you take off the centre forward who runs in behind and put on a big lad the opposition can step forward. But if you're playing against Luton, or I guess more importantly, in the final 70 minutes of the game while they've had to worry about Sun, or if you're a goal behind and desperately pushing to try and get one back, Valise is really, really good to have in the squad. I just think that like because of his profile and the football he's playing at right now, he doesn't really suit starting games, and that's going to affect his development. But if we want a guy to play his entire career you know, 30 minutes off the bench and he's happy to do that uh, and that, that can work, then I then, then that can work. Nice, nice. Um, and I quite like Scarlet as a as a profile fit. Um, Scarlet's a really good profile fit, whereas Para isn't. But uh, contrary to popular Spurs opinion, I think that Para is, uh, is the better prospect still. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, 
interested to see how this loan works out for him. He scored a couple off the bench already, but he's not forced his way into the starting eleven yet, which I think is a. And then there's Donnelly as well, who's who's of that parrot profile. There's there's a long line now, isn't there? Yeah, I just definitely see Donnelly as an eight at this point, or an eight ten hybrid at this point. Okay, you know he played a lot of striker in his youth because he scored goals, but. You want him behind the forwards. You want him creating. You want him doing the Madison stuff. He's he's really tricky and intelligent with his passing, and uh, I really like that for him. Um, yeah, just briefly while we're talking about loans, Alfie Devine's loan to Port Vale is a shocker. It's an absolute shocker. I saw. I've watched two of their matches so far this season, and they are horrendous to watch, almost unwatchable. And they essentially bypass Alfie Devine all the time. They they barely try and play through him. They barely try and have any build-up at all until he just basically runs towards the ball and demands it to feet and then tries to play some football. Uh, and inevitably it has to be some sort of hero ball type thing that he's attempting because none of the other players are interested in, in passing. Um, I don't know how that loan came to be, but... I can't see him lasting there for the full season. I imagine he'll be pulled back in January and sent elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I do have some concerns about our loan at the moment. You again. don't think it's a you don't think it's a character building for him to get in shoulder challenged by a fully grown men all game. <laughs> I, maybe, yeah. Minutes and minutes, aren't they, Wendy? Come on. Uh, there's definitely means of doing that whilst being at a better team that will actually try and play some football and pass you every now and again. Uh, you know, he he didn't need to be at that level at that club. There were plenty of other offers and he's good enough to play at a high level. It's a strange one. I, I know I'm just constantly critical of how we manage our youth players, so it's probably quite irritating to listen to me repeat the same thing over, over and over again. But uh, yeah, not impressed by that. Uh, one more question before we before we call it a day. Um, this is from Mac, actually, who's who's the person we were referring to earlier. Uh, Mac says, is Ange doing something different with his inverted fullbacks compared with other coaches using similar formations? Yeah, a little bit. So this 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 um this goes back to the copying Guardiola thing from before, right? And I talked about this a bit on uh, on uh, on the pod I did on Tifo. But yeah, like a little bit. Uh, it's not it's not. It's not inaccurate to say that um, Pep made this a thing. And it's not inaccurate to say that shortly after Pep made this a thing, Potokoglu started doing it clearly, clearly, clearly influenced Mm -hmm. um, uh, by Pep. And also I've had it confirmed from certain sources that that was definitely the case. But also, I do think that he's 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 doing something a little different than how other coaches are, are using um, their inverted fullbacks. So uh, other coaches are other coaches are having their fullbacks take up a different specific role in possession, and typically this is as, as a number six or a secondary number six. Occasionally, and I think we see this with. Um, is it Akanji at City? Um, mm-hmm. He takes up a number eight role mm-hmm. in in front of the number six. What we see, and and, and one other thing, sorry, is um, most of the time it's one inverted fullback, but it is occasionally two inverted fullbacks. And and, and at City, at, at the start at City, Pep was running with two inverted fullbacks. Um, the way things differ with Postacoglu is that it's almost always both of them at the same time in some capacity. And the other thing mm-hmm. is that they are being, and this is the word I used on, on the Tifa podcast, very dynamic 
um, with how they invert. So sometimes one of them is playing as number six, sometimes one of them is playing as number eight. They'll swap, they'll move back out wide, they'll both commit forward as number eights. Um, yeah. They'll go back out wide only late on in the play, uh, which Windy loves um, uh, to, to put a cross in against Matip in the 96th minute. Um, they will constantly mix things up and look to problem solve on the fly um, and respond to the opposition's pressing game by by changing up um, what they're up to. And I think that that is um, that's quite different to what the other coaches who use inverted fullbacks are doing. I, I really agree. I really agree. I think it's way more situational and it gives the players a lot more autonomy to make decisions. And I think long term, that is 100% going to be better for the players. I mean, you only need to look at the profiles of the players we're using in those roles to see that there's a difference because Guardiola uses Akanji, Walker, sometimes even Stones. So he's using players who are primarily central defenders or at least defensive players. We're using Pedro Porro and Destiny Udoggi, who both want to have the ball and be attacking most of the time. Mm. And and sure, they're playing different roles. They're playing much more conservative roles than, you know, they might want to some of the time. But they're also given license to get forward and not just get forward in one position, get forward in multiple positions, like Nathan's just said. And um, I do think that's significantly different. I think it's... I, I think the the dynamic nature of the system um, gives players more auto- autonomy naturally, and I think players will personally enjoy that for a longer period of time. Whereas I think the sort of less dynamic system would get tedious to play, um, a bit like Conte system. It, it becomes quite robotic, and so you need to turn over the the squad more often to keep it fresh and, and interesting. Um, I imagine that our system is very fun to play in, especially for the inverted fullbacks. Udogi had his uh, senior Italy uh, call-up debut. Um, he came, Got an assist. He came on late in the game. He came on for a left-back to play at left-back. And then a few minutes later, he saw out the game by moving into midfield. So big shout out to uh, Spalletti. Heard a rumour that he's a pretty good coach. And not only is he a pretty good coach, but he's a guy who has some pretty interesting ideas about players, positions and roles. Mm-hmm. Did you see the assist he got? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a classic Udogi assist. Win the ball high really? up the pitch, dribble around three guys and lay the ball off in the box. And like it's it's exactly his dribble as well, isn't it? It's the there's not really space to get between the players, but he makes it happen anyway, um, with his kinesthetic ability. <laughs> and uh and the pass isn't immaculate, it takes a little nick yeah. on the way through, but you know, he deserves that bit of luck because he took the he he what's the phrase? He 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 did the thing, but I don't know, fuck it. I can't think of the phrase. <laughs> what? What are you on about? I, I, I'm very tired. Um, grab the ball by the horns. There we That's go. That's the one. There we go. Yeah. He grabbed the ball by horns. So he, he he deserved his little bit of luck with the pass. Um, took the initiative. That's there what we I was go. thinking of. Fucking hell. Very tired, Nathan. I'm very tired. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan if you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. 
production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork, and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Subs, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.